Ay, mija, abuelita San Hawaii and I still need to shop for the party. No worries. Let's order through Instacart. ¿Insta qué? Sí, llama. We can order groceries and more online and get everything delivered in as fast as an hour. ¿Everything for dinner? Carne, tortillas, limas, plátanos. Claro. ¿Anything else? Just make sure the plátanos are ripe. Get groceries delivered same day with Instacart so you have more time for family. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. This is the year I became a businessman. I'm not going to be just some fucking talent. I am the fucking CEO of my own shit. Years of being underestimated. Years of being told I was thick when I was an, an apprentice. Years of hazing and 12-hour shifts, night shift diving. All this shit, being told you'll never be anything better than what you are. All of that, when I drove that fucking car off of the parking lot, was fuck you, cunts. This money is not going anywhere. I'm coasting yet. This is going to keep coming. I'm just going to enjoy this shit. At that point, I was like, fuck it. I'm getting a new flat. With me, because I've never had now in my life, I always want to get the best that I can possibly get my hands on. I was the classic poor kid who got a lot of money and acted like a rapper when he gets money. Like, I, I just did that. If I even had an inkling even thought there was a slither of a possibility that this deal wouldn't fucking happen, I wouldn't have done all that shit. It was like a nightmare, an actual nightmare, but I was living it. Four days previously, I've lost my job. The whole world's come crashing down. And just when I feel like life can't get any worse, it is, and it's getting a lot worse. Seeing so many tweets of hate towards me, just pouring in by the thousands. I thought I was on top of the world. I thought it was all gonna be fine. I thought it was all gonna be happy. And any hope I had of getting a new deal because of these DMs is gone. Like I was in the grave mentally and they were just throwing that fucking dirt on me and making sure I'm never coming back basically. I couldn't ignore it, I couldn't not feel it. It went straight through my skin into my heart like everyone hates me. You all want me to feel low and I do feel low and you're hurting me and it really is horrible. Do I want to live in a world where this many people hate me? Why? I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get off now. Alright, it's True Geordie here. For the first time ever, I'm being interviewed by my best mate, Lawrence McKenna. How many YouTube subscribers do you have? Uh, 1.77 million. Out of everyone I know who's a YouTuber, I look at the views and subscribers the least. I just check, like, are people still watching, roughly? Yeah, that's enough for me then. Who's the most famous person in your phone book? We got the guy who um, started Fake Taxi, Eddie Hall, uh, John Kavanagh, William Lenny. Top three. Equally, I'd say famous uh, KSI, Logan Paul, and Ninja. And what's the best um, movie you've watched this year? Uh, Joker, a misunderstood entertainer who wants to cause anarchy for the mainstream. I really identify with that. I don't want to shoot any of the TV presenters, though, officially. Best TV show of the year, because you, you're more of a TV guy than a film guy. Basically, when people get abducted on Netflix, I watched it. You know, when people are about to die or, or murdered. Anything with crime on Netflix, I'm there. What's that Viking program I watched? 
Vikings. No, no, it's the better one. The Last Kingdom on Netflix. It is fantastic. Game of Thrones was was good, but it just could have been way better. I think my whole year turned from the moment the Game of Thrones finale was fucked. At that point, it never recovered. My year never recovered after that. You can channel everything down to the turning point of that finale. We'll get onto that. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how the year started out, what the first couple of months were looking like, how you were feeling. At the end of last year, we'd done the KSI Logan fight, commentated that, lived my dream, ringside at a 20,000 packed house to watch these two guys fight. It was great. I'd finally sort of cemented myself as the voice of sport on YouTube. I felt like I'd nailed that at that point. No one could take it away from me. YouTube life was going great. I'd got more subscribers than I ever dreamed of. We had a full sponsorship on the channel. That paid for everything that we did. I was sorted financially. I'd had podcasts with some really great people who I've always admired. I had Ian Wright in, on my podcast, like a legend of football, who was like showing me emotion, crying on my podcast, like giving me one of the best interviews I've ever done. An idol of mine, Ricky Gervais, turns up and gives me like life lessons. And I'm like, I'm sat opposite like the greatest comedian Britain has ever produced. And someone who me and Lawrence have like looked up to for years. So that is like mental. Did you feel like it was guaranteed? Absolutely. I felt like I deserved this because of how much shit I've been through in my life before it. And now finally, like God or whoever the fuck has given me my like, right, well, there you go. That's your reward now. Now it's going to be easy for you. Everything I'd ever imagined had come true. Oh, I'd love to commentate the JJ and Logan fight. Boom. Even when Logan didn't like me and uh, that everything just came together. I'd love to get Ricky Gervais on the podcast. Boom. It's like everything I ever thought of just happened. It was as if I genuinely started to think I had a guardian angel because every dream I had was just coming true easily. And I had money for the first time ever. Like a kid from a council estate. And I, I know I say this quite often, but like people don't understand like, the stress that I'd had up until that point, my whole life on week to week, like living like that, to all of a sudden just be like, boom, no more problems now, bro. The views are coming in. There was a point when I first started YouTube where I couldn't barely afford bread and milk. I certainly didn't know if I was gonna pay the following month's rent, to now, pff, rent. <laughs> I could put a deposit down in the house. And there's no way this is ever gonna go wrong. So. Fuck it. Like, I know how short life is. I've had people, as I've said before, like, die in my life, like, who haven't lived their life to the fullest. So this money is not going anywhere. I'm coasting here. This is going to keep coming. I'm just going to enjoy this shit. I, when I went to restaurants, I never give a fuck what the bill came to. When I bought clothes, I didn't look on the price tags. Like, I would browse through Auto Trader like it was a fucking Argos catalog. Like... What is, what's next, bitch? Like, it was mental. I grew up watching fucking Top Gear and Fast and the Furious and driving in my Ford Focus and my Peugeot, you know? So it's like, I could put down a deposit for a house or I could for once in my life just go, fuck it, I'm gonna enjoy this shit while I'm here. I could die tomorrow. Realistically, I wasn't gonna die tomorrow. I took that a bit far and I see in a car, it was a McLaren 650S. <laughs> And it was an old McLaren, but I've never had a McLaren. I've never had anything like a McLaren. All black, beautiful, the roof was already down, it was in the showroom. It was out of my price bracket. 
it, you know, I couldn't actually afford it, even though it was the cheapest McLaren in the UK. But it looked so good. I inquired about the price of it, and I realized that I was about a third of the way off it in what I had to play with. But then all of a sudden, I looked back at the McLaren, and it was talking to me, saying, buy me, buy me, Brian. You know you want to. And I was agreeing, going, uh-huh, I do want to buy you. And magically, I managed to find the money. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm signing the papers for a brand new McLaren. It was not new, but it was new to me. You know what I mean? And motherfucker, how many people have had a McLaren in Newcastle, bitch? Not many. Years of being underestimated. Years of being told I was thick when I was in, an apprentice. Years of hazing and 12-hour shifts, night shift diving, all this shit, being told you'll never be anything better than what you are. All of that, when I drove that fucking car off of the parking lot, was fuck you cunts. Look at me now, bitches. I'm driving a fucking McLaren in Newcastle. Suck my fucking dick and listen to Dr. Dre while I'm fucking driving. That's what it felt. Fuck you to everyone who ever doubted me. I don't care what money I've got left. I bought a McLaren, cunt. The roof was down in March. I didn't care it was March. I didn't care it was cold. The roof was down. Why? Because everyone needs to see me driving this right now. There's some good feelings to have in your life, particularly with women. But that was right up there, son. It was better than any drug I've ever taken and any drug you can take because this is real. This isn't a temporary thing. I could get up and drive this shit tomorrow again. Put a different song on. Every day it feels great. How quickly I go from naught to 100 is insane. I felt like, oh, this could kill me. Like, you need to respect this shit. Like, this could kill me. I need to be careful. This was a fucking racing car. This was some shit that should be on a track. This doesn't belong on the streets of Newcastle. The amount of times people would try and race me and I'd go, <laughs> oh, Ooh, motherfucker. Feel it. It was amazing. There was people who have just done horrible things in the past to me, my family, people I know. You know those people. The ones who you, you erase out of your life as quick as humanly possible if you can. And you hope you never see them again. Unless you're driving a McLaren. And then you want to see them again. And oh, I did see them again. <laughs> you see Pretty Woman? Big mistake. It was like my pretty man moment, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't just about saying fuck you to the haters, it was about saying like, look at the, to the people who care about me, look at how I'm doing, like, you believed in me, you love me, you care about me, I'm repaying that, like, I'm showing that I'm a good person, I'm doing well, worked hard, and now good things are happening for me as well. Do you think anyone at that time could check you? I think I would listen to you. It would be a listen and then go, okay, well, I definitely respect what he says, but I'm lost in, in this right now. You know, I've never had this before. This is all new and I can't quite resist it. Being a pleasure seeker when it's hard to achieve that and hard to indulge in it, it's not too bad. My dad's a fucking pleasure seeker, but luckily he can't just spend money on anything and therefore he's limited. Whereas all of a sudden his son, who is a, just the same in terms of that, can do whatever the fuck he wants to do. And it's like when Pinocchio becomes a jackass, you just lose it. And I found it really hard to deal with. Business was going great. I had XO, which was going great with the boys. You know, you, you're working with your best mates. That's the fucking best feeling in the world. 
Brand deals wise, we had a long term sponsor and the kickoff was doing fantastically. Apparently, to Chelsea! You fucking bald and smurf! You fraud! What are you doing? And we were really finding my feet on, on the videos. The podcast is going good, good guests. That's part of the reason why no one could check me because I'm like, look at the results I'm getting. Like, if I'm doing good in my work, whatever I do outside of work, fuck you. It's not none of no one's business. What was going on with EXO? What, what happened? EXO was never set up to be a new sideman. Even though we started it similarly, like a bunch of mates prattling around having a laugh, we wanted to grow it. We wanted to make it into a something a bit more of a culture like channel where you get more than just the four mates but we start as four mates we add youtubers into that we go in many different directions we cover many different things and to do that we had a partner uh, in the background who was helping us fund making the videos and build a business out that partner for other reasons had some issues financially we couldn't afford to invest into the channel the way we thought we were going to at the same exact time all the boys were going off and doing different things. I was doing what I've just described. Then you had Will and Steven going off and doing their tour. And we, we clearly wanted to focus a bit on solo stuff. We just sort of parked it and went, all right, maybe we'll pick this up later. Maybe this was just a fun thing we did one time. Let's see what happens. It wasn't a worry because it wasn't like we'd fallen out and this was going to be an issue in the future. It was more like we're still mates. We're still going to make videos together. We just do it on each other's channels. When you look at the way the channel started, very ambitious to the way it ended, it wasn't ideal. We wanted to make really high level content like Netflix style stuff. The lack of the funding really made it a challenge at the end, but nobody was to blame for that. It wasn't anyone's fault. You know, it was just unfortunate. That had so much potential. In in six months, we went from not existing to being at the Wembley Cup and actually having more fans at the Wembley Cup, more fans watching the Wembley Cup than hashtag F2 and Rebel. Look at what we did. Look at how quick we did that. We, we went basically to second in terms of a group of people behind the sidemen, light speed. And I just feel like that could have been something massive. The main thing is, me, you, Stephen, Will are all doing great and Cam. My only thing that disappoints me about that is I wanted to use EXO as a vehicle for spotting more talent like Cam Kirkham and helping them. And I haven't been able to do that yet, but I think it's still something I want to do. Like I always want to long-term help people, whether it be furthering other creators' careers or whatever. But at that moment, I was like, I'm, I'm only just getting on myself, you know, in order to to lift other people up, you've got to be solid in where you're standing. And I wasn't yet in my head. It was, I was just, I'd just gotten up. But I was still, I was trying to get the wheels turning so that within a matter of a year, two years, I would be in that position to do that. When we first started the kickoff, it was very much like Billy Basic shooting at two couches. And I hated that. And I was like, this is not what I want. I didn't like this flat. I didn't like the look. I didn't like the graphics. I didn't like anything about season one of the kickoff, pretty much apart from the crack with the lads. Season two was better, but still nowhere near what I wanted. But the thing is, when you care about the people around you and they're working hard on limited means, it's not their fault. So, and I'm learning. I've never done production before. This is my second year in a live show, actually being around a proper production team. So I'm learning from them as much as being frustrated with what we are. Like, I, I need to know what's possible before I even say, all right, we'll do this then. You know what I mean? So it was a, a massive learning experience because I'm a kid from 
you know, like I say, the council estate, never had experience in this. These guys have all got degrees. Everyone's a fucking film student around me. I've just been offshore. Like, I don't fucking have a clue what camera lenses, that'll make a difference. Oh, shit, yeah, actually it will do. Lighting, well, oh yeah, lighting, massive difference. So there was so much I just hadn't got a clue about, but I knew what I wanted in my head. I just didn't know how to get that. And it was through learning from all of these lads around me, Ian and Alex in the back, for example. All oh, right, so this is how it works then. I felt very confident in getting a new kickoff deal. We'd had all the good noises from a client that you'd want. Like we were getting told things like, we want to be with you for the next 10 years. Like you have over delivered. You have smashed this. And in terms of doing a live show that is all around football, but doesn't show the football, but we talk about football. A lot of people tried that. A lot of big, big YouTubers tried that. It didn't work. It was working. We were growing an audience. People were coming back. We were building it out. We gave it its own YouTube channel. And the views that we were giving the client and the results that we gave them, and trust me, the results were fucking unbelievable. I was just... Done. This is easy. Like, everything that they're saying is telling me that this is done. I was killing it so much, I actually changed the car. Mid-negotiations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, summer's been now. Oh, we're in the, near the end of summer. I'm not getting the chance to put the roof down as much. The McLaren's amazing, but I've done that now. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm a pleasure seeker. When that pleasure is getting a little less, I need a spike. I need something new. I need something different. So I went to the Bentley garage. Who the fuck gets a McLaren and a Bentley in the same year? Uh, literally, March McLaren, July Bentley. What the fuck? It was the Rick Ross car, it was the boss car. Six liter Continental GT. It was a hotel inside. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was like, well, why do you need this? And in my head, the answer was, well, it is a bit of a struggle getting into the McLaren with the butterfly doors. It's a bit of a small car. Yeah, I was just making excuses up in my head like, oh, this isn't going to be useful in winter. I need a four-wheel drive. Like, let's just look at Auto Trader. And there we go. A blacked out Continental GT. Cream leather interior. Six litre. You put your foot down. It was like being in the Batmobile. This is how mental I was. In my head, this was me toning it down a bit. I was like, all right, the, the McLaren was a bit... It was a bit of a, a pose as car. I want something a little bit more subtle. That was me being subtle. Do you remember um, G-Unit, Stunt 101? In the chorus, he goes, my Bentley GT. I used to sing this song when I was 16 years old, dreaming about having a car like this. Now I'm driving it. You feel like you're in a rap video. You can't look at a wood grain dash and not feel like you are Rick Ross. This was luxury. This was, oh yeah, I've made it now. And not only have I made it, it's here to stay now. So we felt like we were coming into the end of the negotiations. You got to argue over tiny little things, but whatever, we'll get there. And yeah, at that point I was like, fuck it, I'm getting a new flat. And you've been pushing for this for quite a while. You wanted it to look different because you weren't happy with the other place. And then- uh, Yeah, I mean, the other place was sick. It was just not me. I wanted something more like gothic and fucking darker and a bit more sort of character about it. I always like brick walls ever since I seen Joe Rogan having them in years ago. But I wanted my own style as well, not just exactly like him. With me, because I've never had now in my life, I always want to get the best that I can possibly get my hands on. I've got a Scarface-like mentality. Like, I will break my back to get the fucking best that I can get. So there's a WhatsApp production group that suddenly you just started sending all of the listings in London to. You have no idea of the geography of London. 
So you were just sending, is this one good? <laughs> is this, there's a lot of variation, it's fair to say. Oh, mate, if it had a jacuzzi, I was interested. Yeah. I wasn't thinking, like, yeah, Scarface. And it, it you know, it, it, some of the prices of the flats, sometimes I was like, wow, it made me wince. But that felt like the right upgrade to make at that time because it felt like this was the completion or it was getting towards that point where you, you were getting what you wanted in the yeah. flat. I, I grew up idolizing Joe Rogan. I see his setup, the organization, the cool brick background. I'm like, one day. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I can nearly, I can nearly get that. I was like, fuck it. Let's, let's throw money at this. Let's double the rent. We just need to get somewhere that looks... Uh, I want to be different. I want to look different. I want, I want better shots. I want better cameras. I want better everything. So just go crazy. Yeah, we had some person who was just like coming to me with like all these like basically epic bachelor pads of London. Sometimes I remember you saying this one's not good enough and I was yeah. just like, who is this? But like, who is this guy? Like what is happening to me? Yeah. I had a thing in my head of like just perfection and like everything we do on this show, I was like, keep driving, keep driving. I want better. Well, how can we get any better? And like, there was one pad we went to what, went to view. I think it was used on like Black Mirror inside the, the master bedroom. Randomly, there was a door you went through and it had a private pool in the fucking bedroom. And this pool ran alongside the building. It was a really long, maybe like, what, 15 meters? And it was dark. It was really dark. It, it was, was a completely black. It was painted black. It was, it was painted black. The whole walls were painted black. But it was like, it had lights in it. But it was like, I've got to be honest, you just thought you could fuck in here. That was the first thing you thought. It was very Christian Grey type shit. And I was like, wow. Like, it was amazing. But it wasn't right for a, a fucking... <laughs> a kickoff. Do you know what I mean? It was just cool. But then the perfect place came up and it all just sort of fell into place like very yeah. quickly. We got we got lucky. We found a place that financially wasn't as expensive as some of the ones. It was still pricey, but you know, it looked exactly how I wanted it to look. When I first came in here, it was just like this is where the table could go. This is how it's going to look. Like, I want new lighting. And like lighting a place like this is not easy. Like, and I want new lenses. I, I gave them all references for how I want the kickoff to look the next season. These are the camera angles. Like this is the grade that we want it. So like people's skin looks a bit different than it's ever looked before. I said, I don't want this to look like a live stream. I want this to look like it's been edited as people are watching it. I guess I'm making out like we had all the money in the world. We didn't have it. It just felt like that to me because I've never had shit. So to me, this was like, well, surely we can make anything happen with this. And they squeezed every last drop out of what we were going to have to make it look unbelievable just for me. And I felt really grateful to them. Like these guys bent over backwards for me. When we first had the idea for the kickoff, the picture of the room that we imagined it in was like this to a T. So it was always in my head of like, this is what it's going to look like one day. At this point, it was time to cross the T's and dot the I's on the deal. How confident were you in getting it done? As I've said from the start, I knew this deal was coming. Like, this was, wasn't even belief. It was more than belief. It was I knew. People believe that their star signs might come true. I knew I was going to wake up in the morning and breathe air and then do a fucking deal. And for, do it for 10 years. This was set in stone. This was a partnership that wasn't going to move. A man like me, who knows what it's like to struggle for money, doesn't just go and waste money on a fucking McLaren, then blow more money changing it on a Bentley, then agree to be in a two-year contract for a new fucking studio, then waste a load of money on new equipment that is going to blow the rest of the competition out of the water and l lift everything up 
and then hire new staff, and then blow money on all sorts of other bullshit. If I even had an inkling, even thought there was a slither of a possibility that this deal wouldn't fucking happen, I wouldn't have done all that shit. You might think I'm stupid, but trust me, I wouldn't have done that had I not felt and, and, and been so sure of it. Or so I thought. And I know it might seem like I've just been piss-farting around and enjoying myself so far, but amongst the playing hard, I was fucking working hard as well. I took the working class work ethic I've got and applied it to YouTube. I wasn't, no, no offence, but like some of these YouTubers who, you know, they fucking don't have their hair gel and then take a month off. Like, I was fucking consistent. Every single goal I was given by a company, I smashed to bits. I wasn't leaving this up to chance. I know this is my lottery ticket. I'm going to fucking make absolutely sure that if I'm going to be given a chance to change my life, I'm going to do everything in my power to do it. And we had a vision, a long-term 10-year plan where we wanted to take on the big boys, despite being the underdogs who came from nothing, because we finally had a sponsor who believed in us, or so I thought. I don't want to badmouth them, because I respect the business that was done at the time, but it became impossible. And if you can imagine what I was willing to do to make it possible, the fact that it became impossible just shows how impossible it must have been. And I wish I'd known sooner that it was gonna be the way it was because I wouldn't have ended up in the position I did. And sometimes when you're doing a business deal with anyone, it's a bit like jumping out of a plane and hoping they've packed your parachute. And they go, yeah, we've packed it. And you've just got to trust them. And if you're lucky, it all goes well. Or sometimes you end up splattered on the pavement. And that was where I was. And now I'm up to my eyeballs in bills in I've got rent for two years I've signed a fucking deal for two years I've got people to pay people I love and care about who work for me to pay who who need to feed their fucking kids like people who I'm invested in I care about their lives and where they're living and who they're how am I gonna I can't even afford the kickoff. Like we can't afford to make the kickoff. I can't afford to make a podcast. I can't like I cause fuck that. I can't afford anything. I can't afford to feed. I can't afford to live. I can't afford my electricity. I, I I'm I'm fucked. I'm bit I've lost my job. I might still technically be a YouTuber. I've got no way of making fucking YouTube videos. I put all my eggs in one basket. Now I've got no eggs, no basket, fuck all. You know when you see those people on TV who they think one thing, but they're so wrong, but they can't say it. Like the people who get up on X Factor and they sing and they think they sound amazing. Well, in my head, I, I still had a deal. Like I, I was like, no, I, I it couldn't. I've always classed myself as a realist, but this, this was such a like blow. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't accept it. What? You mean this isn't coming? This isn't happening now? This is, what you mean I've spent all this money and I've got nothing. And now I've, I just, that, that was like a death to me. Because I, I, I couldn't... Like when someone dies who's close to you sometimes, you can't actually accept it. Like, it takes so long. You go into shock. I was in shock. I was fuck. I was in shock. 
So you go back up to Newcastle to clear your mind a little bit and, you know, get some time to yourself. And you're on the train and suddenly the DMs are leaking. Mm. is trending and it's unbelievable the guy's life is over he refuses to respond oh he's been a very naughty boy brian he has he's been a very naughty boy because when people see him now they're just gonna go oh he's the guy that asked the bird to shit on his chest this is literally one of the worst things that can come out because dear lord if it comes out true this man is ruined, ruined it was like a nightmare an actual nightmare but i was living it you know four days previously i've lost my job the whole world's come crashing down just when I feel like life can't get any worse, it is, and it's getting a lot worse. Seeing so many tweets of hate towards me, just pouring in by the thousands. I tried to report a few of them, but mate, fuck me. It was gone. It was gone. The enjoyment that people were getting out of destroying me was clear as day. And I'm on the train, and I, I weirdly, because I'm moving, I feel like I can't affect anything. It's like I'm stuck on this fucking train and my life is ending right now. I got asked by the woman, do you want anything to drink or eat? I'm like, do I want anything? Fucking gun to the head. And I was actually like shaking, like trembling, because it was like, this is all happening. I, I, I thought I was on top of the world. I thought it was all gonna be fine. I thought it was all gonna be happy. Everyone hates me now. And there's no coming back from this. Like, the deal's gone. And any hope I had of getting a new deal because of these DMs is gone. Like, I was in the grave mentally, and they were just throwing that fucking dirt on me and making sure I'm never coming back, basically. Did you, do you think you had an idea of the magnitude of how big it was going to get at that time? Or do you think you, no. you thought, I can, I can, I can I, get a hold on this? Look, uh, sexual messages, you know people are going to laugh about them. I just didn't understand how it would be. Because to me, sex is... It's not a taboo. Like, everyone's mother has sucked a dick at some point because otherwise we wouldn't fucking be here. Even to this day and even on that day, I understood people making jokes, but it wasn't that they were making jokes. They were trying to destroy me. They were, uh, really, you are cancelled. You, this is the end of you. Like, we fucking hate you. And that was, like, bizarre. Because I can take banter. Like, I literally have, have lived on boats where 24 7 offshore you get the fucking shit taken out of you every day piss ripped out of you till you're ready to snap if you like if you can't take it like i can take it the thing that shocked me more than anything was the hate like i'm one of the strongest people on this planet mentally i'm so strong i've dealt with suicide i've dealt with horrible hard things i have had people try to take my life before in fights in the street i mean it but the hate the wave of hate it passed through all of my protection. Like everything I've got that is, I am me, I am strong, I am a man, I am, I have been through the, I couldn't, I couldn't block it out. I couldn't, I couldn't ignore it. I couldn't not feel it. It went straight through my skin into my heart. Like everyone hates me. And that was what shocked me. Cause I'm like, all I did was make a few podcasts and took the piss a little bit and was a bit of a jack the lad with my sense of humor. Like fair enough, take the piss out of me, but destroy me, like hate me, like why? What have I done to you? So that was strange because so many people I never even met before, never even crossed paths with, were reveling in trying to end everything I've worked hard for in my life. Was there a sense of realisation in that moment? Yeah, I have lived my life so stupidly and I've just got so wrapped up in myself and who I think I am and I'm an idiot and I felt rock bottom I, everything i thought about myself about being quite an intelligent guy being able to judge life 
play play my cards right because generally up to that point I'm, I'd got myself from poverty into a fucking McLaren chair. You know, I'd had every reason to believe that I was that, but I I clearly got it massively wrong in so many ways. And I felt ashamed. I felt um, I knew everyone I knew was going to read those messages. Like, I'm a sexually confident person. I'm really relaxed. It wasn't nice. It wasn't. You know what I mean? Because if you meet someone for the first time, you want to be given the same chance that everyone else gets of, well, regardless of whatever this guy likes in their sex life or whatever, like... I'm going to take them for who they are. Whereas now, every time I meet someone forever, it felt like uh, this is just going to be over me forever. You know, if you wanted to ruin my life, well, pretty much you've done it. You know what I mean? It's never going to be the same again. After, you know, getting through what I got through in my younger years and death and loved ones dying and battling through uh, suicidal thoughts and like depression, I thought, was that what it was all for? for this feeling to come back again. Like, I'm supposed to be in the happy phase now. I, I got through all of that to be here. And now, no matter what I've done, no matter what I've given, no matter how hard I've worked, no matter how, how good I feel like I am at what I do, I'm back here. I'm back feeling suicidal again. I'm back contemplating. D did I go through all of that to feel like this? I've got no job. And everyone who once respected me now thinks I'm a joke and an idiot and, and a faggot, apparently. <laughs> um... You know, I got so much hate, gay hate, every kind of hate you can imagine, trending on Twitter. Like, so many people cared as well. That was another thing. It was like, wow. And I know I'm just like something to laugh at at the pub at that point. Like, did you have a true Geordie? But the fact that I was even that to so many people but blew my mind because you don't really know how famous you are until you do something bad. I remember when I interviewed Alfie Days, he said to me, I preferred it when I had 300,000 subscribers. I thought... You fucking mug. Like, I've got 500k at the minute. It's shit. I want as many as I can to be as rich as I can. And he was like, nah, you don't get it. Oh, I get it now, bro. <laughs> yeah, I fucking get it now. Oh, you love a bit of shit on your chest. Like, that's fucking daily for me. Even now, months later, I get a tweet like that or a comment like that. Ironically, I can laugh at that and not be touched by that because I genuinely know that's not even a thing. But it's the hate. Like, the hate was horrible. Awful. Could you go out in Newcastle at the time? No, I, d I didn't go out. I didn't go out. That was the moment where uh, I drank more than I've ever drunk in my life. And I don't really like saying things like this because sometimes it can get a bit too heavy for people. But like, I was thinking about methods of suicide. I was thinking about like, yeah, what if I just did this? That would end it all. You know, I, I, you know, I was looking at like banisters on the stairs thinking, I wonder if that could take my weight. You know, like not even... This isn't just for effect, like I swear to God, I was thinking like that because I didn't go through everything I went through as a kid to get to this point to then feel the exact same pain. In my head, I only got through that to be what I am now and now I'm just feeling pain again. Don't want to feel this anymore. I'm quite done with it. This is the thing. Do I want to live in a world where this many people hate me? Why? I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get off now. I remember you said to me on a phone call, um, I actually just think everyone would be better off without me. Yeah, that wasn't a self-pity thing or um, me crying for someone to say, no, no, like I, I'm, when I speak, I'm not speaking for that. I'm speaking because I really mean it. And I did mean it. I'd, because I'd let so many people down. Financially, I was gone. Uh, my My character, my reputation... I pride myself on being like a good interviewer. I want to be better. 
every little thing about the the shows that we do every little detail i care about i want to impress people i want people to like what we do i want to be respected i don't want to be necessarily liked or loved but respect like he's got this guy's good at what he does and now that was just irrelevant they, they hate the, my self-esteem was not rock bottom it was through the fucking floor it was as low as it could ever be and i i just had to like not kill myself basically that was my only goal every day why why didn't you i guess is the logical question probably don't have the bottle for a start i'm quite a selfish person so i do actually care about myself deep inside i have i wouldn't say i'm really selfish but i have i've clearly got a selfish side and i also love a lot of people there's only one person who could put what was wrong right and that was me and if i did end it at that moment the shit that we were in financially as a group of people and i don't just mean like me and lawrence i mean like me lawrence like geo adam pete like or everyone behind the scenes ian and alex there was only one way out of this and that was to get back up i wasn't there yet i didn't have the strength i just thought you know it's not that i want to live I just don't want to hurt people by dying either. Like, that would just make things... And also, like, there was a tiny little spark of fire in my belly that was saying, like, you all want this. You all want me to feel low. And I do feel low. And you're hurting me. And it really is horrible. But I'm not going to die and let you just be like, yeah, that's his legacy. The guy who was shamed for being a kinky bastard and killed himself. People didn't care, but that's what they wanted. A lot of people, they felt that way. And the only way I could, like, fight it was to feel like they were the enemy. Because at my lowest point, they made it ten times worse. Were you quite fearful at that time of what was going to happen? Terrified. Because I'm a good bloke, deep down. I care about people. I've said this before on a video. I care about people. Not a lot of people cared about me, it felt. And uh, I didn't know who was going to turn on me next. I didn't know what was going to happen. Didn't know who I could trust. So I was scared. Do you have any memory of True News and recording with Stephen? I knew I couldn't show weakness. I knew I had to make a video where I stood up and went, yeah, fuck it. Because that was in me as well. That's all. The fight never goes out, but it was just at a really tiny flame. But the vampires were baying for blood, and I knew if I didn't face it head on, it was never going to go away. So many of my mates... And I mean, my mates I've had from eight years old were like, bro, deny, deny, deny. I'm like, you don't understand the internet, mate. This is gone. If I denied it the first day, maybe. But like, I knew even then I wasn't going to deny it because otherwise you give other power out to people who can then go, well, he said this to me, he said that to me. Whereas if you own everything you really are, then fuck it. That's that thing. So I knew I was doing that from the jump. And I pretty much knew within 24 hours, that I was going to do a video like that with Steven and just have them rip the piss out of me. Because once again, I can take that. I can take my mates taking the piss. I can take all the jokes in the world. I can take admitting the kind of shit I like in bed, which is ironically not shit. I just didn't want the hate anymore. So I felt like if we, we, we took it on the chin, no pun intended, it might go away then. And it might be like, yeah, fuck it. You had your moment. You had a laugh at me. I hope you've enjoyed it because that's what people want. They want to, when you're weak, they want to have their moment and laugh at you and then go about their lives. And I knew that that was the only way to do this. And the best person for that, or the best two people, were Lawrence and Stephen. It was then that there were people online who were going, nah, there's no way this is true, Jordy. He's but not. That's why, because I'm a manly man. And people can't imagine that in bed with a woman, I might give control over to the woman. Actually, it's fucking great. Did it make you question anything about your identity at the time? There are some things which are fundamentally 
uh, someone's personality, and one of those is their sexuality. But because everyone would imagine that a guy like me would bend a woman over the table and drill her until she cried. I like to have sex many different ways. I text girls many different ways sometimes. You know what I mean? Life would be boring if I only had a fucking hamburger for me, like my every meal. Sometimes I want something else. Do you know what I mean? I'm an adventurous guy. Like, you, I don't become a fucking YouTuber on the off chance. Like, I, I'm a, I take risks. I mean, I think I fucking proved that with this interview. I take risks. I like to have fun. People had me in a box where it's like, this is all he is. He's just a manly man. And actually, sometimes I want a cuddle, all right? Sometimes I want a cuddle. I want a hot bath and a glass of wine. I can do feminine shit. It's, it's fine, do you know what I mean? But people just box me in. And I probably didn't help myself because of just the way I am as, as a bloke, you know what I mean? I understand it. But I'm fine with, with their perception. So how were you feeling then when you had to show your face in public in Newcastle again? Yeah, I was sort of... Hmm, I hope people don't say anything because I don't want to have to punch their fucking heads in. Did, did but, you genuinely think you would? Like, what, if, you, if someone had come up and said something to you, what do you think your I reaction? would have knocked them clean out. Like, mm -hmm. I was not in the mood at that point. You've got to remember, like, it's not, I'm not, I don't want to be violent to anyone. But when someone's on the edge the way I was mentally, when someone doesn't care about themselves, I'm certainly not going to care about your chin. So if you want to come up to me and, and end up in pain, we're going to have it. When I, when I left the house, I was like, all right, it's on then. If it happens, it happens. Do you, do you know remember I mean? the first time you left the house? Um, I felt ashamed, so I wore a cap. I was like, but also in my head, I was like, I just don't want anyone to talk to me. I don't want to speak to anyone. I don't feel like communicating with anyone. I have my headphones in. Don't talk to me. Something you haven't actually spoken about is maybe the anxiety that you were feeling at that time. It was fucking terrible. And I think I remember a few conversations where you were talking about feeling very... Like, you know, like you couldn't quite breathe or you mm. couldn't, you know, you were, you weren't able to just do the basic functions yeah. of being you. Look, when you're in a, a place where you feel like life is coasting and then everything you've worked for, everything you have, everything you are is ripped away from you, you don't feel like you can trust life. I don't feel like I can trust what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know what's coming next. So the anxiety was through the fucking roof. I hated life. I, I, I couldn't relax. I was doing everything I probably shouldn't have been doing to make those nerves go away. What was the relief like when you saw the reaction to the video? I might be deluded, but I have a, like a love for my fans and I feel it back. And I thought they're going to come through for me and they're gonna laugh, and they're gonna have a good laugh, but they're gonna back me. I'm not a bad bloke, you know what I mean? They're, and and we've had too many memories as a, in, in that relationship to have them turn on me forever over something as trivial as this. I wouldn't say I knew, but I was 99% like, this is gonna be fine. They're gonna back me. And eventually, the other people who are just there to see, oh, what does he do? Well, fuck off. And then we'll go back to our usual programming, if I can afford it. There's nothing harder than walking into a room to pitch for a brand deal, knowing that the people you're walking into pretty much know they're already going to say no because we want to see how the dust settles on this. Yeah, we, we were obviously making some early moves to see if people wanted to sponsor us again. And it was just like, yeah, you, 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 you're done. You, you could be finished yet. Yeah, we can't touch you until we see how this plays out. 
And in my head, I was like, I get it, but it was just so frustrating. You know, it's all fucked now. I was just like, have I not proven nothing at this point? Like, is it all worth nothing now? Then you got a new accountant. It felt like something that was very run-of-the-mill, normal. Obviously, I knew I was going to have to assess my finances without a deal and, and how do we move forward from here. And the accountant just tells me, yeah, like, who was doing the accounts before me? And I was sitting there like, a guy I know? Like, and he sort of... So handled it and then he would get an accountant just to double check everything at the end and she was like okay yeah you got a massive tax bill I was like what I was like how massive and I'll not say the exact number but it was it was six figures when you've been through all of this and you're told not only have you got no money to do everything that you've planned on doing you got no money coming in to do everything and it's unlikely because of these fucking dms not only have i now got no money i've got minus money i'm now owing a huge amount of money that i hadn't known about because i thought everything had been fine and oh, it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse yeah i've just felt the world had just turned on me then it was gone you've been spending money you didn't have yep <laughs> yeah uh, the accounts weren't being run properly. I hadn't been told, like, you can't take this money over in your personal account without... Ha like, there was just a lot of things I hadn't been made aware of. Um, and partly it was down to my own stupidity. Got to take my... Pull my hands up and say that was just me ignorant, thinking, I'll be fine. I got the new deal, man. We'll make it up, man. It'll be fine. You know what I mean? Financially, it was, it was up for me. I felt like when I made other people aware of that, the predicament I was in. Again, I didn't get the comfort or the reassurance I was looking for. It was hard. I felt like everyone was really then starting to think, if this goes tits for Brian, do I want to be team Brian? Do you know what I mean? Or do I want to look after my own interests? And Or is there an opportunity for me here with him struggling? It was a bit like being heavyweight champion of the world and everyone thinks you're great and everyone's telling you, mate, you got this, you're amazing. And then... I'd almost been like knocked out 10 times in a row, but immediately, almost like overnight. You know what I mean? It was a very fast turn where like people around me all of a sudden are being a bit like more, mm, I don't know. Do I want to be aligned with this guy? Or it was fucking hard. Did it make you question, well, why the fuck did Lawrence let me get to this point? Why did the person who was helping with my accounts let me, <laughs> nah, let I, me do this? I never, ever thought that about you, ever. I never thought, why did you let me get at this point? Because... I know how I am. I know I'm just such a headstrong twat and I probably wouldn't have listened. I would have listened, but I just would have thought, all right, well, until, I feel, until I'm proven otherwise, I'm gonna do it my way. I think the only thing that you ever said to me that made me feel a bit uneasy, you said, I feel very financially exposed right now. And it was true. And I'd made you feel that way. So I was guilty, but I was also a little bit like, look at how much I've helped you as well. So it was like, I'm already getting a kicking from the world. And, and then when it comes from someone you love and someone you really want to be there for you, you had every right to say that to me, but it was hard because yeah. you weren't saying anything nasty. It was like, oh, that's real. Like that really hurts, do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and you had every right to say it, but it was just difficult to hear everything 
It was difficult to uh, say that at that point because oh, I, sure. I felt I felt guilty as well because I didn't want to. You, I knew a lot of people were putting the boot in on you, but I also felt like I had to be. If I'm honest, like I just had to get that. I had to I had to tell you that so you so we were straight between us. No, we sort of put in, that behind us. You do, you do. You have to be. You have to have a friendship where it's good and bad, honest always. It was more. Some of the things other people were saying, I was finding really challenging. People were questioning every decision I made. All of a sudden, the untouchable Brian, who everything he decides to do with business, with the show, always works. Every idea he has, I'm getting questioned on like, should you tweet that? Should you say that? Do you really want to do this? Do you really want to do that? I'm like, who the fuck are you like? That really hit me. Because if there's one thing I don't like, it's being questioned. Uh, But my ego had taken such a battering or it felt like everyone around me felt like does this guy really know what he's fucking doing and and understandably but to be on the receiving end of it after being so successful for those people was hard so you went to people for help so i went to my accountant she was lovely thank god um and she did sort of calm me down a bit because the dread when you walk into seeing an accountant is like, what the fuck am I going to find out next? Because life is kicking me in the balls repeatedly here. What is going to happen now? She was lovely. She said, look, we can do a payment plan. We can. All you need to do is just work hard, get as much money in as you can. We'll make sure that the tax man gives you the time to pay this back. And so I was like, okay, okay. I give her a hug at the end of it. I was so relieved. I, honestly, I wanted to lift her out of her shoes. I was like, I love you. You're the only person in the last month who said anything good to me. So then I thought, right, well, we've got to sell the kickoff. That's the biggest advertising we can do that, that gets money in and pays the bills and potentially pays my fucking tax bill. So we'll go to an agency and hopefully they'll know people who are already in the market because, you know, that, they've got all the contacts. That's what they do. And they sell all the time. So surely they're the best people for this. We don't sell. And this isn't what we do. We're content creators. When you first meet the agencies, they throw about a lot of big numbers. And it's like, wow, you know, all my problems can be solved. I remember a lot of that time was spent talking about other people's percentages and not the actual deal itself. It was too much about how much money will we make out of this deal and not about actually getting a deal. And I slowly realized that like, hold on, like I'm the creative of the show. No one's fucking talking to me. No one's telling me, is this going good? Is this going bad? Who are you speaking to? What are they saying? What are you telling them? How are you pitching it? Like this is clearly not working. And lo and behold, it wasn't working. (laughs) It's one thing taking a load of money from a company and going, yeah, we'll get your views. However, by any means. It's another thing to actually pitch a show with a creative and really sell something that is actually a creative vision. You know what I mean? And um, the only person who can ever do that is the actual creator. So you didn't water down the product. You didn't, you know, mix it with other stuff. You didn't go to people and go, we can just do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, a lot of companies would be like, we'll hire you as a presenter. And it's like, no, like I've worked hard. This is my show. This is my thing. My audience love this show. I can't let them down by fucking fucking it off. People have invested in this with me. I was like, nah, fuck it. This, we're either going to do the kickoff or I don't want to do anything. This is everything. All or nothing. And so it's fair to say the kickoff wasn't the only thing you had to sell. No. I hate, I hate this part of the story because I remember the day when you called me about selling the Bentley. I mean, it was sell the Bentley or lose my fucking flat, lose my food, lose everything. Like I needed money. I had no money anymore. I love my Bentley, but fuck me. I like food. I like electricity. You know what I mean? So it was a pretty easy decision to make, but it was 
It was like official then, isn't it? Like, I'm poor again. <laughs> yeah, we go. I remember you telling me on the phone, you were like, I, you were geeing yourself up to get rid of it. You were convincing <laughs> yourself that you had that you had to get rid of it because, you know. Yeah. Well, but also, you, I, I can't I afford you said, to make videos otherwise. You said, you literally said the words to me, I'm selling this. And I realized you weren't talking to me at that point. You were almost just dictating down the phone. You just went, I'm I just needed someone to listen. Most men don't even get the chance to drive this car in their whole lives anyway. And I was a bit like, yeah, that's true. But it, you were convincing yourself that this was all right to go and get rid of that Bentley. I think I was just trying to be like, you're not a complete failure. At least you've driven this car. At least you've had a car like that. At least it was fun. I didn't, I didn't have that call for everyone else though. It wasn't, as much as I was talking earlier about how I wanted to shove it up everyone when I got the McLaren, I never posted these out on social media. I'm not a brag. I don't want to be, there's people who've got entire YouTube channels dedicated to their car collection, bro. I just want to be known for what I say, who I am. But having that Bentley just gave me something that was like reassurance. It was like, look at me now. like. You know, people I've lost in my life would be like, wow, he's doing it. Like, it was about making people proud. It was about a lot of things. It meant a lot. It was hard. But in my head, it was like, well, at least I had it. I told the car dealer. Um, I, I told some lie about how I was getting rid of it because, um, I don't know, I was moving house or whatever, some bullshit. Because um, I didn't want to feel like a failure. You know what I mean? And I, I made a dramatic loss. Like basically in getting rid of like the McLaren for the Bentley, I made a huge loss. And then getting rid of the Bentley for cash, I made a huge loss. So it was like the amount of money I've lost in fucking changing cars this year is crazy, is nuts. Do you remember the time, do you remember driving Bentley to the dealership for the final time? I remember, remember bro, bro, this is how painful this must have been subconsciously. I remember being on the phone to you and where I was in traffic. Yeah. I can visualize the pub I was driving past, everything about that moment. It was like I'd completed Grand Theft Auto. I had the, the house, the cars, the toys, the, every bullshit you can need as a man. And then I woke up after going to bed one morning and it's like started mission one again and there's no more money and there's no cars, there's no flat, you're back to square one. As materialistic as I'd become, that year and as self-obsessed and as all of the bad things about people that you can do when you get money and just being overindulgent deep deep down when i walked away from that bentley garage it was like it was a toy it was fun this isn't who i am like it's deeper than this life is deeper than a car it's not about flash cars it's about more than that i'm much more about people and about what's real even though i just forgot that so I was able to walk away from it, but I was still feeling like shit. You know, after the agencies didn't work, it was like, I need to do this myself. I can't trust anyone, clearly. We need to go back to the drawing board. We have the attention to detail to create good content. Why can't we sell? I've seen more on sell shit before. Like, it's do this is doable. We've got what it takes. And we reached out to companies, and lo and behold, it wasn't as complex as what agencies make it out to be. Agencies like YouTube has to believe like, oh, there's a lot of long words and contracts and you'll not, you know, you need us because they, they won't take you little young people seriously because you don't arrive in a suit and a tie. That's <laughs> not true. It's just not true. Like you can, you can do it yourself. I mean, don't get me wrong. They, I'm sure there's some good sales people out there and good agencies out there. But like, you know, I found it to be a lot easier than it was all always perpetuated to be. You know, little results started happening. 
we started getting just enough money to keep, maybe keep the rent paid, keep this done. And then luckily a good deal came in through a good friend, Six Silk sponsored us. And that really helped things, you know, that helped just breathe. Like, all right, there's some money so that, you know, me and Lawrence can get paid, the tax man can get paid, like this is gonna keep things going. My attitude towards brands changed completely because it was like, beforehand, I was like, oh yeah, of course they want to sponsor me. You know, I'm fucking killing it. Like, why wouldn't you? I, I became grateful for money again. I, I, the, I remembered the value of money again because I'd totally gotten lost and forgotten who I was a little bit and what, how to be appreciative. And, and I really wanted to deliver for that company, I was like, yeah, fuck me, we needed this to get in. Fucking come on, like, and I just wanted to do good for them. I wanted to repay their faith in me desperately and and, and do, make a good product as well because I've got such pride in my work. Then someone gave me the email for Betbull and we started talking to them and that started going well. And it was like, fucking hell, like I'm having some results here. Like this is going good. If one good thing came out of that experience earlier in the year, it was that I was just taking it as seriously as humanly possible. I wasn't gonna like, you know, take low fees because I was struggling. I, I, I know my worth and I know that someone will pay what we're worth. Yeah, we've got a great setup, but I was certainly gonna fucking deliver when, we, when they paid. Do you think you, you'd learned a lesson? I've learned a lot of lessons, loads of lessons. Yeah. Not saying I'm perfect, like, but you know, <sighs> growing up basically, you know, stop being a fucking clown at times. I've always taken the work seriously. I, I always took work seriously. Every podcast, every video, I always wanted to be as good as it could be. But it was just like, I was the classic poor kid who got a lot of money and acted like a rapper when he gets money. Like, I, I just did that and I wasn't thinking completely clearly. Did it make you careful about who you trust? When the whole world turns on you, or at least it felt that way, you find out a lot about the people around you. So it just sort of made me acutely aware of who, how people react in a crisis. Like one of my mates sent us a full list of pros and cons of whether or not to deny the DMs and what impact they would have. And I mean like a full list. And then some people go, yeah, just own it, bro. You know what I mean? Or some people go, deny, deny, deny. Like it just made, and then some people go, what can we get out of him in this situation? How can we exploit that situation? So it, it's difficult, you know? And yet here we are. I'm still fighting. I didn't think I would be earlier this year. Not feeling great yet. I still feel bad. Still feel like um, struggling. I still kind of hate social media now. I think I always will now. And I didn't love it beforehand. I always thought it was a bad thing. If it wasn't for my business, in terms of having to promote things and having to tell people about my videos going live and keep people informed, I wouldn't bother with it. Is there any advice that you give to other people who have maybe been through a similar hazing or sort of... Switch off your phone, ride it out, ignore it. Try and take your mind off things and it'll go away eventually. People get bored, people move on to someone else to abuse. Ultimately, they're not doing it because you've done anything to them. They don't even know you. It's purely because they're probably really unhappy. Am I a better person for it? Someone said, it's good that this happened because he needed bringing down a peg or two. I thought maybe, <laughs> maybe I did, but not that far down. You know what I mean? So it's probably helped me a little bit. I don't think that helped me. I think it was the humbling from losing my job that helped me. That was not necessary. We're still going and I'm proud of that because most people would have really struggled to get up off the floor after this year. And I think, yeah, done all right, yeah. 
you know, we're not out of the woods yet. Still got to fight, still got to keep going. I need the support of my fans to get through all of this because only with them supporting the shows and the brand deals that I get, that's the only way I'm going to ever make it to where I want to be. And they've been supporting it. I'm really, without them, I don't know what the fuck I would have done. Truthfully, the power that they have to change my life is mental. Thank God they find me funny. I'm not sure they find you funny. Well, you find, they find you funny and yeah. they like me. So that's good. Well, I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> what made you most proud this year? When I walked out on that stage for the press conference to Logan KSI and the cheers were so loud. Yeah! Even even JJ said they were the loudest that day because no one knew I was there. I deliberately didn't tell people, didn't post about it because I wanted it to be a surprise to see how it would go. And I'd had a lot to drink because I was like sort of, this is going to be hard. Like controlling JJ and Logan is hard. Like I've tried it before, I failed. So I knew it was hard, but I just sort of took the moment in and I looked out into the audience and no one will understand because on the live stream, it was, the audience was dipped down and the mics were dipped up. But in reality, that was loud as shit. They were screaming. And I just looked out into the audience and just felt it like, this is sick. This is amazing. Like they're cheering for me after everything that's happened this year. I, I needed that. I felt unbelievable. London, what the fuck is up? Not many people ever get to feel cheers like that from a crowd. It's, it's once in a lifetime. Amazing. The other moment was when we dropped the Ninja podcast. It wasn't specifically just because of the Ninja podcast. It was a period of time where, because people had said my podcast was done, and I had a lot of tweets saying, oh, you're not as good as what you used to be. Oh, you're not, you're not where you were. You'll never get back the way you were. Like, I went on the run of uh, a lifetime, guest-wise, going Eddie Hearn, Logan, KSI, Tyson Fury, and following it up with uh, Ninja. Like, the fact that I followed up the arguably the biggest boxer in the game with the biggest gamer in the in his game. Like, they're like icons. Like, they are massive names. Like, who does that? I do that. Like, the guy who you all said was done, the guy who was finished, well, guess what? I'm fucking killing it now. People don't understand. Like, this might seem salty. I got so much hate this year. No one, not even Joe Rogan, like, loves this more than I do. Like, Joe Rogan's better than me, granted, but I love it. I try my best. I give my fucking best. It's not about being better than everyone. It's about being proud of myself. I was never coming back. I have no money. I have no credibility. No one respects me. It's all gone. It's all fucked. It's all done. Now I'm walking out on stage. People are cheering for me. I'm getting the best podcast guests. I'm doing an amazing job, in my opinion. That Ninja interview, I'm really proud of that. Everyone who said I was done, everyone who said the podcast was done, suck a fucking fat dick. That's how it felt. Fuck you. You tell me I'm done. Don't ever doubt me again. Ever. Because you don't know how willing, much I'm willing to fight to keep what I've got in life. Because I know what it's like to have nothing. Repeatedly. You're not taking this away from me now. That's how it felt. And having all of the love all of a sudden on the channel. Loads of great comments from Ninja's fans, from our fans. Some people might have thought I was going to turn this around. But how quickly I've turned it around. I'm really proud of it. And I'm really proud of those podcasts. Do you know what I really thought was a turning point this year was when you were fine with not doing the fight? A 6 hill deal will help that. <laughs> but in all seriousness, you in previous years have been so desperate to be part of it and saw it so much as like that you wanted to prove yourself and that you mm. wanted to... Yeah. Um, you wanted to be at the centre of that with them. 
Yeah, I and your need to do that was more than anything else. But I feel like this year, with it not being on YouTube, with it not being the same kind of fight, the, the same level of hype, I wasn't going to be on the commentary team broadcast to everyone. There was an American team, an English team, like Weller and uh, Gibble were doing it, sorry. Um, and I was really happy for them. And I was like, I had my moment. I've, I've done it. So what's the most thoughtful thing you've done for someone this year? I've got a pretty thoughtful thing I could do for you right now. Oh, yeah? I've got your birthday present. I really hope this is his actual present and not some other bullshit I've ordered. It's just, uh, it's just... From me to you. This is... Happy birthday. What is this? Well, open it. I don't know if it'll be in a box as well. Though. Can we I did, I. Oh. In, uh, by the way, in that is Call of Duty, so you're welcome. Sick, huh? That's sick. Huh? Thank you so much. Get in, son. Is Love it. I knew that that was secretly a present for me as well. That's what I couldn't. I am. Do you know the funny thing is, I know that he's going to go. Got Rocket League on. Oh, mate, you're getting Rocket League. We've got to play. So that answered that question. That was such a good way to answer that question, wasn't it? You think I planned that? What's the most thoughtful thing someone has done for you? Oh, a lot of people have been nice to me this year. I guess I've bitched a lot in this, moaned a lot about what went wrong. But like a lot of people have stuck by me and a lot of people just supported me and just said it's going to be all right. So when you're having a hard year, and many people have probably had harder years than me, it's key that you have people around you who just say, it's going to be all right, you know. What's the best advice you've received this year? Uh, probably get a good lawyer. Uh, that was up there. Um, thank God I did get a good lawyer. When things were bad, I, I talked to a few people. Talked to you, I talked to Will. I even talked to Robbie Williams. Uh, I just emailed him and I said, mate, so Because we, we go back and forward a lot. I was like, oh, I'm having a terrible time. Like, you know, this has happened. And he just replied, own it. Laugh it off, go with it, own it. And he wasn't the reason why I did that. I was always going to do that. But Robbie's a good bloke to go to because he's seen fame. He's had the up, he's had the downs, he's been through it all. And he's still fucking here and he's still doing well. So if anyone's good to talk to about it, why not Robbie Williams? I never put him down for my most famous contact. <laughs> I, I was thinking that. I was literally like... Been. Yeah, I forgot about that. If you could change one thing about this year, what would it be? Take the world by the balls quicker. Like now I'm in control of my own destiny. I'm, 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 a, I'm a fuck. This is the year I became a businessman. This is the year I, I am officially starting my own business and taking control of everything. I'm not going to let people dictate to me. I'm not going to be just some fucking talent. I am the fucking CEO of my own shit. And I've got a team of people around me who are fucking class. And I'm not going to let people like push us around. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not going to put myself in a situation where someone's got a gun to my head saying, give us your fucking company ever again. What advice would you give you to yourself a year ago? Stop being so wild and stop being uh, such a horny moron, if you can. Wank more. Fuck less. <laughs> that is the realest shit. Jesus Christ, don't ever tell me anyone's got a realer YouTube channel than me. They're talking shit. What advice would you give to yourself in next year? Just invest in the people around me. Um, take care of the people I love. Don't hurt anyone and um, look after my team, pay everyone as best as I can, 
and let them know that like um, I'm not just someone who's self-absorbed and self-obsessed. Like I've seen where I've gone wrong, and I'm not going to let them down again. What is success to you? This is my dream to make YouTube videos. As much as it's pretty corny because anyone can do that and that when I'm not here the people who I love can watch it back and go this is who he was this is what he did and be proud of me I think the only thing I'm not is happy that's that's the truth I want to be more than this Mount Rushmore of fucking YouTube in the UK if it was the UK JJ for example would be on there like he paved the way he is one of the greatest we've ever had i want people to put me next to that and be like and he was the first like great podcast that we had in the uk or the best at what that is it's not about views or money as much as i I just want money so i can keep making videos and keep sustaining the business and keep making stuff that looks nice and how i want it to look but it's more about like making stuff i really want to make and be proud I feel like we've done a a pretty deep interview there. I just hope it comes across how important this all is to me and how grateful I am to my fans for getting me through this year. Because without it, don't know. You know what I mean? Cheers, mate. Being a good chat.